Hey, what's good, everybody, man? You are tuned into another episode of Fatherhood. It's dope, the podcast. It's your guy, Aaron McGee, man. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the platform, man. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, I got a special guest with us today, my guy, Jamar Gardner. Can y'all say what's up to Jamar? This one, you hear the little fanfare in the background. They're like, uh-huh. <laughs> Yo, so normally, um, man, I have a chance to kind of, um, you know, like get to know some of my special guests before they jump on the platform. But Jamar, this is all new, man. But he comes mm-hmm. highly, comes highly recommended. Uh, Jamar has participated. Jamar is actually an actor first and foremost, uh, amongst many other things. And of course, what qualifies him for this platform and for this conversation is that he is a father. Uh, but he's an actor, and we're going to jump into we're going to get into all of that. But he definitely comes highly recommended from a trusted source. Uh, mm-hmm. Who, who he's worked with. So I have a professional yeah. recommendation on Jamar. <laughs> so man, of course I wanna welcome you to the platform, but you know, before before I jump into any of your work and your fatherhood, man, I just wanna say shout out to you as another HBCU alum. Uh, yes, talk, sir. Let's talk about it. Let the folks know uh, which HBCU you represent. D-S-U. Okay. I thought you knew what? Uh, yeah. Delaware State University. Delaware State University. Hey, yes, well, our listeners, they probably thought you said T S U. Oh, this is no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's that's a D. D is in David. I, I would do that. Yeah. I don't know if they can get the whole thing in there. D S U. You know, they do all that yeah. stuff. But. Yeah, and so, man, you about to? How do? How do we do? I think we do T. It's you. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. So I'm representing for Tennessee State University, man. All right. Yeah, but but this is what you don't know, man. It may make sense as we are have we're literally recording a podcast, right? But I, I also see that you are were a mass com major, man. Yeah, I was. Yes, I was. You, you know we right, right? I'm sorry. I said you know you know we're on the same page, right? You know it's no, I didn't. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Man. So we in this together. We in this together. So I was MassCom radio and television production, man. Okay, yeah, I'm television production and print journalism. Yeah, sweet deal. And then yet here you are acting. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Let's get into it, man. You've done uh, uh, an array of work, man. But I know one of your most notable things. Let's just let's just get it out the way. One of your most notable things uh, and critically acclaimed uh, roles is your role. Uh, uh, on Orange is the New Black, the Netflix yes. original series. So uh, let's let's get that. Let's address that that elephant in the room. Because <laughs> I know I know when you went to audition for the role as the the guard, um, you know mm-hmm. you probably didn't foresee it unfolding in a way that it that it did. So let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about Orange is the New Black. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think it was around. 2014, I auditioned. Uh, you can hear me good, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay, tapping cool. in. Don't mind me, man. I got to get my water intake in. Man, I wish I would have grabbed mine before <laughs> we started, man. So if I get a little choked up, don't worry. It ain't, it ain't the tears. It's, I'm missing some some fluid. But, uh, yeah, I, I auditioned for uh, the role in 2014. Um, and like you said, uh, it was completely un- not foreseen at all, completely unexpected. Um, I don't know if I, if you want me to get into the fatherhood thing yet, but there's a real, uh, how can I say, uh, just 
at the time was stressful, but now it's kind of um, just really full of, 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 I'm just completely grateful for how the situation played out because it was so unexpected. Yeah. Um, but I auditioned for the role. Um, at the time, um, I was working as artists must do. I was working a, a survival job. Um, oh, let's talk about it. Artists must do. What's that about? Well, not all of us are getting that Will Smith money yeah. right out the gate, you know. So uh, in the midst of that, there's still lights that have to be paid, the car note possibly. Um, and, you know, being on a fatherhood show, you may have kids that, that need some chicken and yeah. some Skittles and some bikes uh, in school. Um, so, you know, you have to find a way to supplement income because for the most part, uh, until you get that acting job, you're just auditioning. So you're really spending money uh, before you get a chance to make any money. Uh, you got to get headshots. Uh, if you have representation, you really don't have to pay for representation until you start working. Uh, but, you know, just putting yourself out there is, is going to take some, some quine. So uh, you, you got to come, you got, you got to have something to, 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 to help, help keep the boat going. Man, you know, listening to you, you really make acting uh, sound a lot like uh, the role of an entrepreneur. You know, you got to put in a lot on the front end to, and, and you got to make the investment on the front end to see that ROI come through, man. And so uh, it seemed like what you were alluding to is that as you were preparing to, you know, make you're on your audition trail and you actually auditioned for Orange is the New Black, but everything, it wasn't all roses at the time, right? No, no, not at all, man. Um, actually, you know, I don't want to make it sound like my story is like super tough. It, it was I had. That's, never... that's not what we hear. That's not what I'm hearing. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not hearing that it's super tough. I'm just right. You just, you just laying it out as it is, like exactly. It wasn't yeah. easy. Right, right, right. No, it definitely, it definitely wasn't easy because you have. Um, it's almost like you know, there's this you know, not to be too cliche, but. It's almost like there's this light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And you just, it, it, the, the closer you think you get, the further away it starts to seem. Mm -hmm. um, so I had, before I started acting, I, I think I might have had about, you know, professionally as far as college, maybe about five or six. Some have had more than that. Um, but I was more in a, um, in a more, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I might be losing my words here. I apologize. I got to step on my feet. But, um, yeah, I was, uh, and, and my jobs were a little, they were very, not interactive, but for lack of a better word, I, I was, I had to go full force into it. Because yeah. it was, it was more like a career than an actual job. It wasn't like waiting tables or, you know, washing cars or anything like that. I had a job at a cable company as a, a customer service representative at the time um so i was doing that and at the same time i'm still taking classes uh that every thursday um i was working the second shift so that's you know three to eleven um i'm taking my daughter to school uh and i'm on a job that i really don't want to be at because i have to make a living in order to do what i really want to do in order to get that light at the end of the tunnel yeah. Uh, so that part of it was a little rough. Man, that's that's so many of us. Uh, you don't know this. A little quick backdrop on me, man. So I come out of ten Tennessee State University as a comm student. 
I'm thinking, I'm in Nashville. I'm thinking, yo, I'm about to move to Atlanta. I want to work. I wanted to produce uh, for CNN. So I'm going to move to Atlanta. I already had an interview lined up, went down, interviewed for like a week or so, uh, and kind of got put on hold. So I came back to Nashville. And I'm like, well, I'm in the CNN pipeline. I knew some producers there through some work I had done in undergrad, like a fellowship at ASU. So uh, this, I think this is where this aligned with what I just heard you say. So I came back to Nashville and I was like, okay, well, I need to go ahead and get a job until something unfolds. And I said, well, I can work for the YMCA because it's what I would call non-threatening, meaning that because uh, you gave this this uh, description of, uh, I don't remember the specifics, but let's just say like a fast food place or a grocery store. Yeah, wait, wait. Store where you, can, you go in, you follow the protocols, you clock in, you clock out, you move on. Whereas right, right. Uh, the cable company, you know, there's a bit more uh, intellectual p- power that's being uh, required of you, man, to like push sales and to do a number of other things. Right. So, not that one is greater than the other, but one just requires a different skill set in my right. So I took the job at the YMCA thinking that it's non-threatening and I can still pursue my my career aspirations in broadcast while doing this job. And lo and behold, the YMCA, they tricked me, man. They got me in there and they started talking about mission and purpose and getting, <laughs> getting me embedded into the community. And it became a career where I spent almost five years of my life and kind of uh, backtracked or put, put you know, my other goals, aspirations on the back burners. Yeah. And so, but, but it's, good to, it's good to see that although you was working that type of job, man, you were still able to, to push out of that. And so that's where I want to get to. How do you or how did you push out of that, that career space? And, and still find this time to do the audition. And then after you get the role, do you just leave the career? Oh, yeah, quick. Just like oh, yeah. I said, I never really was it. You know, I, I felt that happening to me. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, getting sucked into the corporate engine. And at, at one point, actually, Orange was the last audition I did before I told myself I wasn't going to do this anymore. I had... Uh, how? How's yeah. that? How's that the case? We hear that so many times. It's, it's like the illustration you see the dude digging in the tunnel. Yeah, exactly. He walks back with his shovel over his over his shoulder, like, and if he would have hit one more time, the treasure right. could have been right there. Right, right, right. Exactly. And I think that you know came with the preparation I was doing up until that point, because like I said, uh, my entire tenure there, which wasn't very long. Um, I was still taking classes. I was in New York more than I was in. I live in Connecticut. Um, yeah. So I was in New York more than I was in Connecticut. What's that drive like? Uh, well, I would take the train. The drive is actually a lot shorter, but you got to worry about, you know, Parking. being on the road at a certain time. Um, but uh, the train ride is about an hour, hour and uh, 40 minutes. So, you know, the commute to me isn't bad. I, I don't mind sitting on the train. I get to go over my lines. I get to you know, daydream a little bit, uh, plot yeah. and scheme. So, yep. you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, um, so the, the transition for me was, was real easy. Uh, but leading up to it wasn't, um, I had actually gotten into some real bad financial strength and, uh, strains. And, uh, I remember laying in my bed thinking, 
to myself, you know, if I apply myself really hard to this job and I just work a little harder for the in, in about six months, I could probably get a, at least a $20 raise. Yeah. And then six months after that, you know, I probably would have been making about $50 an hour. So it started to look real appealing. Yeah. Um, so I had made up in my mind that day, I'm not going to do, I'm not acting anymore. I was going to take a nap before my shift at three o'clock. Um, and after I woke up, I was going to call my manager and tell her, you know, just take me off the roster. I'm done. Um, and as soon as I laid down, as soon as I laid down and closed my eyes, she called me and told me that I booked Orange. That's go, what do you do, you know? That's dope. Yeah. That's sick, man. So what, what was that show run for you? Then, then we pivoting right here, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, really, I'm diving in because, you know, man, there's so many dads. I, one dad comes to mind. I'm going to call his name because I'm not going to say his last name, but this one dad I know uh, by the name of Alan, who, who is an actor, and he's aspiring to, you know, further his acting career. He's a father. Uh, and so I know he's looking for that breaking point uh, to land a role of the status of Orange is the New Black and some other shows out there. And so I really just wanted you to kind of go in on it, man, because uh, so many dads are turning away at that breaking point because not because they're not strong enough to keep going, but right. because many of us have to make that decision on. What am I what am I sacrificing here? And like, do I sacrifice taking care of my kids and putting the food on the table in the now? Yeah. Or do I neglect those things in the now and still work toward the, you know, the later, you know, and 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 it's a fine line, man. And and it seems oh, yeah. it seems like that's exactly where you were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, at the time my daughter was attending Catholic school and that's tuition so you know they want your arm and your leg um, <laughs> period yeah exactly that's it cut it off yeah um so that that was on my mind at the time too um you know wanting to because at the time i was a single father me and her mother had separated she's a great uh great mother um but um we had separated at the time so you know she's doing the best she can and you know Let's be honest, nine times out of ten, when there's a split, the daughter spends most of the time with the mother. So she had a lot of time with her. I had my time as well. But outside of not having that, that missing maybe a little bit of the time, I still wanted to be there financially. I still wanted to be a presence. Um, so that's, that was on my mind when, when I, I, I can't remember what, I think I had auditioned for something else while I would, why, uh, like maybe before I auditioned for Orange. And I called about that other one and they said no. So, you know, hearing what you were saying about the brother trying to make that decision. Um, yeah, that's the, the, the thing of, I guess, just having that staying power and believing in what you what you want to do. Um, how far are you willing to take it? And that can be very daunting when you have those kinds of responsibilities, uh, as it was for me. So. But luckily for me, I, I got I caught that one break, you know. But that that there's still more that you need to catch to you know have that stay that Will Smith staying power. Yeah. And how how old is your daughter? She's twelve. Yeah. So she's old enough to to kind of to see the struggle, whether she may not understand it all, but she's old yeah. enough to see it. So I mean, what type of conversations do you have? Are you having with her around, you know, daddy's line of work? 
And she wasn't 12 in 2014, so she's 12 now. Yeah. Uh, but what type of conversations are you having with her around your line of work? Uh, and I mean, what does that dynamic look like now? You had a role like that. So you're, you're in the industry, you're an actor, mm-hmm. and we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? So, I mean, work has slowed down for everybody, but beyond that, uh, how does she embrace uh, daddy's profession? Uh, to, she, I, she understands quite a bit, and I think she's always understood. Um, I, the conversations we have around that are always, uh, I try to make sure that she knows that you can have a career in the arts or whatever it is that you are passionate about and want to do that maybe non-traditional. Yeah. You can you can find a path to it, but I always tell her, you gotta work. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter loves to draw. She's actually a really good artist and she's untrained. Um, she's had a couple of art classes, but she's just a natural talent. Um, so I tell her all the time, you know, when you're home, draw. When you don't feel like drawing, draw. Because right now you have that time and being in this pandemic, you know, I'm lucky enough to have uh, some, some, some things to hold me over uh, while this is going on. Uh, but I'm also taking this opportunity to work on my craft. Um, so I try to feed that to her as well. Yeah. Like I was saying, you know, draw as much as you can. And, and I always tell her, don't, you know, don't get down. I, I, I let her know that I'll be there for, you know, whatever she needs. But she also has to understand that um, there's going to have to be a lot of sacrifice. We, we talk about sacrifice all the time. And she's well aware. She's well aware of that. Um, I see it when we go certain places. Uh, there was one time, I think she might have been 10 or 11. Uh, it, made me a little, it made me a little sad and proud at the same time. Uh, I, I believe I was getting ready to buy her a toy. And she looked at the price. And she said, no, nah, that's too much. We don't need that right now. We can get wow. it another time. So I was like, yeah. But then also I was like, nah, you deserve it. We can, we can get this one. It's okay. Uh, but I do, I do talk to her uh, about making good choices uh, in that area and in other areas of her life. You know, that's one thing I appreciate about, I appreciate about like dads, parents of this, of our generation. Uh, you know, we, we kind of respectfully or respectively allow our kids uh, greater insight because we know that they, we know that they see us we know that they are uh that more is caught than is taught and i think that as you kind of have those type of conversations with your your children that it, it removes a stigma and this taboo around like it breaks barriers of fears of yeah. uh, thinking that they can't do something or thinking that they want to do something that they shouldn't be doing so i appreciate it uh, I, I read somewhere where you were you were talking about uh your your grandparents and your parents and their mentality on like raising children or at least from that southern perspective of like being what what did you say being seen okay. and not heard mm-hmm. yeah what's what's that about I mean listen I'm I'm from the south so yeah you know I, listen I I know what it's about but that didn't mean that I I, I practiced it oh yeah no. <laughs> Yeah, that's why we know what the switch is, too. <laughs> Period. <laughs> I definitely know what that switch is. Yeah. I definitely um, know what that switch is. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, uh, you know, coming up. Um, even my parents, my, my parents were uh, semi-strict. 
Um, but it was the idea of shut up, boy. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, not so much. I was going to say not so much that we couldn't have an opinion, but it, 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 it mattered what that opinion was about. Like, you know, if you don't want mashed potatoes for dinner, that doesn't matter. That's what's for dinner. So shut up, sit down and eat. That's what we eating. Exactly. This is what, and if you ain't eating, you must not be hungry. Um, so, and that for me, it kind of carried over into other things. I remember, uh, when I was in college and, uh, I don't know if my father will ever see this, um, but I, I want to throw that out there. He's a, he's a great, great man. Um, we honor I'm, him. I'm sorry. I said we honor him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, that should cover everything. Yes. There we go. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> everything. I honor you, father. Um, but you know, I was in school and I, was talking to them about things that I wanted to do. And he was really pushing hard for me to become, for me to become a teacher. Yeah. But in his eyes, that's where a, a promising future lied, you know? So in talking with the, where I try to switch that up, cause I, I always felt like, Oh, that means that they don't believe in me. That means that they don't support me. And I right. learned, over the years that that doesn't mean that it's just that like you know i was explaining before that um and what you were talking about what you read um they come from a different era and i believe you know in our era we're different like you know we started we i think maybe in my teens we started uh leaving from the kitchen table to watch tv when we ate dinner mm -hmm. um so there's you know that that builds it that breeds a different mentality i feel um and for you know my daughter she's very opinionated and I never, it, when she was early on, I think I tried hard to kind of lock some things down because, you know, you don't want them, to, you feel like you don't want them to lead too far astray from anything that you yep. might have brought them up to believe or feel or, you know. But I also want to give her tools instead of just like laying a, a flat, you know, idea on her like this is it. Yeah. You know, like I want her, I want her, I want her to use her intellect. Um, you know, when she gets out there, I want her to, to be able to maneuver in a world great, in a better way. Like if she feels that she wants to become an artist, then okay, I'm going to go and find the tools that I need to create for myself. And I'm going to go and find the job that I need to support myself. Um, so I've always, or not always, I started maybe in the last four years, uh, started really being a little bit more liberal, allowing her to, to, to express herself a little bit more and make sure that she knows that her opinion is valued. Uh, make sure that she knows that she, she has her own view and she can, she can, you know, let people know that and be confident in expressing that. Yeah. Um, instead of just feeling like, Oh, well, this is what dad wants me to do. This is what mom wants me to do. Um, I don't think that that has to transfer into your career beliefs, you know? Yeah. When you said being more liberal, you know, I was just watching your body language and I was I was wondering, like, did you did you kind of have that that nuance in, in your tone when you said that? Because it, do you think that there's like a negative kind of connotation that comes along with liberal parents or parents being more liberal or giving giving their kids too much room or too much? Yeah. To teach? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know my parents would have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, and I'd assume that, you know, I mean, t with today's youth, man, I know out here in Connecticut, I don't, I don't know how it is out there in uh, Tennessee, um, but 
I know in Connecticut, uh, in the greater, our, our tri-state area in New York and New Jersey, um, it's rough out here for these kids, man. Yeah. It's almost like they have, they have too much freedom and no direction yeah. uh, for some. And they're just kind of picking up what habits and uh, beliefs or whatever that, you know, they, they, they may come across on their walk and not all of them are going to be beneficial in the future. Right. Uh, but yeah, as far as, you know, my liberal stance with raising my daughter, I just want her to, you know, I, like I said, it, when I was coming up, you know, it wasn't, well, I don't, I don't think this is right because it's, it was just, no, this is what I said and this is what we're going to do. Um, I'm pretty sure my mother wouldn't want, wouldn't have, she, she didn't do it with me, but I tried to, you know, give my daughter that space to, you know, well, if you don't want chicken, what would you like to eat? Yeah. And then if I'm going to offer her that I can't, I don't want to cripple her by just making whatever she wants. Like, all right, well, this is how you cook spaghetti. You know, if you don't want chicken tonight, this is how you cook your spaghetti. This is how you do it. That's funny, man. My my parents call that uh new age parenting. Y'all yeah. give your kids all these choices. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I I think that's I think that's pretty I think that's pretty dope, man. I mean, that's what we are. You know, kids are evolving and parents are evolving. When when my daughter was born, I was nervous, like, man, what do I do? What do I do? One of the best pieces of advice that a dad told me, he said, Oh, don't worry. Uh she'll teach you how to raise her. No, how about that? She'll teach you how to raise her. And, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they are they are individuals and they show up as they are. And yeah. not all kids, you don't have to lay the iron fist down on all kids because some of them are really uh, cerebral or logical, right? And you can talk through things. And you say, uh, baby, if it's not mashed potatoes tonight, is it uh, – you know, is it sweet potatoes and why? And then they can say, well, you know, mashed potatoes make my stomach hurt. And I mm-hmm. think potatoes are healthier for me, right? That's what you told me. And you're like, <laughs> I did tell you that. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so I hear you, man. Well, let me ask you, uh, what's what's next for you? You know, how, how are you navigating your career uh, in the pandemic? And then what do you hope is next? Well, uh, I've been doing a lot of writing. Uh, not a lot, but more than I've done in the past. So uh, I've taken a lot, I've taken advantage of this opportunity to do that because, uh, you know, not that I have a problem with being typecast, but um, instead of allowing that entity to dictate where I go, maybe I can, you know, create my own and give myself the opportunity that I would like. Can we take the maybe out of it? Yeah, exactly. You're right. So you can, create your, you can create your own and give yourself the opportunity that you like. Don't let right. them box you in, man. You're too talented for that. Thank you, brother. Yes, yes, thank you. I did. Yeah, I did man. see you uh, in the film Message Red that uh, that actually my brother was a producer on, and uh, yeah. my brother Larry McGee uh, produced that, and Spencer Glover was the director on that. So yeah, my guys, man. those are my guys now. Yeah, they. You know, we all used to be roommates for a while, man. Uh-huh. I was. I'm clearly the one that didn't make the team. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you did something, right? You, you you worked on it a little bit, no? Oh yeah, yeah, man. They used to use me as their guinea pig uh, before they was able to access actors like you. So I actually I do acting <laughs> myself, 
But I guess they got tired of me, man. I played every role without compromise. I played every role they asked me to. I've been yeah. a drug addict, homeless man, old man. Uh, yeah. You name it, I've been there for them. And yeah, they, got they, they, they just didn't want you to take over the game too quick, man. That's all. You can't, you can't do everything. I hope they're watching it because that's exactly what it was. <laughs> Called you out. Spence out there in L.A., Larry's out yeah. there in New York, and they left me here in Nashville. Oh, man. Nashville's bumping, though. It is, man. It is. And I'm doing what I love to do, man. You know, uh, yeah. you know, they, they, they're the film guys, man. And I, I love doing this. I love talking to people. My, my thing is that everyone has a story to tell. And I want to be a part of, uh, of that. You know, this Fatherhood is Dope platform is about amplifying the voices of fathers. And so uh, this is what I enjoy doing. And ironic enough, we're actually doing what we went to school to do. So exactly. while they were producing film in school, I was uh, I was the executive producer of our tele of, of the news channel and uh, the operations manager of our station, our campus radio station. So this okay. whole this whole space of you know telling stories on the fly, kind of doing news and this interviewing piece, man. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of what we were trained to do. So I'm doing it in my mm-hmm. capacity, and I know you went to school for uh, communication, but. Um, I, I I already know that. Uh, well, let me ask because some people more more often than not the comms department is like you know like this with the theater department. Did you have any theater experience on campus? No, I did not. I, I watched oh, one play. I watched one play. That was it. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was probably for a class. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know how I ended up there, man. I, I think I even came after intermission, too. That's <laughs> You're so disrespectful, man. I know, right? Uh, I'm sorry, DSU uh, Theater Department. No, no, no. Yeah. No, you know, at the time, I didn't even know I um I didn't – I always wanted to act, but I just didn't think that it was something that could be done. Yeah. Um, you know, which is another story I tell my daughter, yeah. Um, you know. And like you said, I think over time, you know, you you were saying how you we were already doing this and while we were in school. And, you know, you guys, well, you know, of course, Larry's your brother. You know, you're connected with Spencer, too. But um, it's kind of like, you know, I'm noticing as I get older that it's almost like these experiences that I have are like the pieces to the puzzle. And now I'm just starting to make it all come together. That's good. That's good. I always say two things. One, especially for for men who want to be actors, and we think you know, once we get, I'm 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 over thirty, uh, and you don't look a day over twenty five, brother. I, I'll take that. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, but but here's the here's the caveat. So most men and college students, especially when they want to be actors, you want it and you want it right now. You want to pop. You want to pop between twenty one, twenty five. 27 for sure, 28, you are too old, right? But that's not the case. Um, what's Spike Lee has that new movie on Netflix, uh, Five Something. The Five Bloods. The Five Bloods, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, my wife and I, we watched that last week or something. And man, you see these old, seasoned, yeah. older, seasoned men on, on screen killing it. I mean, yeah. they're so in the pocket. And one of the things that I want to say to actors, any uh, particularly any male actors watching this, man, and I think you are a testament to this as well, is that the beautiful thing about acting is that it is a lifelong journey. 
and that if you really want to do this, look at me. This I'm <laughs> I'm acting like I'm off orange, it's a new black. But look, <laughs> but look, but no, this is what I tell myself. This is what I tell myself. If you really want to do it, then you gotta understand that sometimes like you acting is all about being seasoned in life. So, you know, when you're 40 and you feel like you too you too old, there's gonna be a role. You know how many, how many roles there are for 40 year old men? Yeah to play an array of characters. And so it's like, man, just stay at it, man. That's, yeah. that's my encouragement to you too as you as you are in the industry, but also uh, you definitely strike me as the type that, and you've said it, you put words to yourself that you're gonna create your own space. So man, like yeah. look, look at Ava DuVernay, man. Yeah, excuse me. Mm -hmm. You know, she's yeah. an easy one to see that over 40 and popped. Yeah. And, and now she's in the stratosphere somewhere. Ain't not. Oh, yeah. She's not coming down anytime soon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You got it. it. It's it's just a matter of believing in yourself. And I'm a firm believer. And if you have that that goal set, you can't put a time limit on it. Yeah. You can't put a time limit on. It. You just gotta work your craft until the door is open because they they're gonna open. Yeah. They're gonna open. So here's the second thing, and then you get the final word right here. My second thing was, okay, you know, it's seasonal, so you're going to be seasoned. The second thing, when you said that all of the pieces are, like, adding up, I always remind myself and guys that are in my, in my circle that, man, we already have all the tools that we need to be who we want to be. And, and nowadays, especially with technology, we, we, are, we have access to almost to literally the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we may be one of one or two people removed from it, man. So that's my little tidbit. Uh, just as a kindred, uh, mass com slash actor spirit here, um, and I just wanted to encourage you. But you get the final word on on this podcast today on either what's next, or man, you can just tell us what brings you the greatest joy around fatherhood, or both of them. Yeah, I, I guess I can do both. Uh... Because I, I believe it all ties in. Um, so what's next? I'm, I'm writing my own stuff. I'm actually, I have a script that I've been writing specifically for me and my daughter because she's expressed uh, some interest in acting. Um, and I think that's what brings me joy, just seeing true happiness yeah. from, from anybody, definitely, but especially from my own bloodline to see, to be able to see her truly happy and happiness and not knowing that she fulfilled the promise of somebody else, but that she fulfilled her own promise to herself. That's powerful. That makes me feel good. That's powerful. That's a blessing, man. I hope you get to see, uh, I hope your daughter gets to uh, indulge and, and bask in your legacy and I hope you get to see her legacy unfold as well, man. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, my special guest on Fatherhood is Dope, the podcast, Mr. Jamar Gardner. You know, where can they find you, man? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at who the hell is Jamar Terrell. That's T-H-A-H-E-L-L-G-E-R-M-A-R-T-E-R-R-E-L-L. -L -L -E -L -L. Yeah. I'm also on Twitter at uh, Jamar Terrell. Uh, shoot, I haven't done Twitter in so long. I hope that's it. My bad, but I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's Jamar Twell on Twitter. Uh, and hopefully in the theaters uh, 
sometime in 2021 because everything got pushed back. And uh, before I before I give up the mic, I just want to say I truly appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, I think this is a beautiful thing that you're doing. We just celebrated Father's Day not too long ago. And me and the fellas always sit around and joke about how, you know, the fathers do work too, but we don't always get that recognition. Not that we're trying to take anything away from the mothers. We definitely need you, Queen. We definitely need you there. And it's a, it's a blessing to have you around. But can we get a piece of steak, piece of chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Period. No, nah, appreciate it, man. No, that's love, man. Well, it's, it's my pleasure. It's my honor to host you, to engage in this conversation with you, man. I'm believing that that I'll see you uh, on the screen come 2021 and beyond. I'm looking forward to the work that you're going to produce. It will be such a blessing to see you and your daughter uh, create together, literally create art together. So that's going to be beautiful. Um, you, they're going to be able to find you. I'm going to put your handle right in your, in, in your lower third right there with your name. So you'll be easy to find. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Fatherhood is Dope, the podcast. Now, do that thing that you do when you see something that you like, you screenshot it, you send it over to your friends, you download it, you subscribe. So go ahead, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the Fatherhood is Dope page. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please go ahead and download the podcast. I enjoy uh, you all engaging in the content. Thank you to... uh, the fatherhood is dope community on instagram man i i so enjoy the level of engagement that you all bring to the page and as well as on facebook too uh because you guys are pretty loyal but you've been listening to fatherhood is dope the podcast some of you guys aaron mcgee this has been real peace mm-hmm.